Wait, is it the sex tent? The sex taint? Whatever, we'll just call it the fuck room. All right, fuck room. Welcome to episode 59 of the Mutant Musings podcast. It's the middle of November 2019, and we'll be discussing more docs. I'm your host, Jonathan, and with me, as always, is my amazing woman who hopefully thinks I'm all man. Patty! Here's your friendly reminder that you can leave us a comment on this episode's webpage on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast, and follow us on Twitter at mutant musings. I friendly remind you on every single episode, so you should leave a comment and a nice review already. Otherwise, Patty is going to start to rude remind you with her whacking stick, which, believe me, is not all the fun that it sounds. And speaking of whacking, do you think sexual innuendo and foul language are whack? Did you love dare class as a child and grow up tattling on the other kids? Okay, boomer. Well, guess what? You're a fucking prude, narc-ass rat, asshole. And not the cute, fuzzy kind of rat. You're the kind of rat that wears cement shoes for a swim. You're gonna get whacked, all right? Whacked by the fucking mob. And there's your explicit content warning. Did you just threaten our listeners? <laughs> With a good time. All right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's uh, that, that's a joke. That's a joke. For legal Thank- reasons, that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Thank everyone who, who comments on an episode uh, on the webpage, on our social media accounts. Uh, thank you to everyone who's left us good reviews and good ratings. We have a couple of not-so-great ratings and one bad review, but so many are good reviews and good ratings. So thank you if you left those. You can't please everyone. There's a Watch me try. <laughs> no, that's a joke. That's, you better not. <laughs> uh, what we're going to be talking about this time is a tweet that we got from our friend Reginald. Yeah. Reggie. No, I don't know if he likes that. Ricky. Ricky. <laughs> Ricky Woody. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not do that, all right? What? Because people can't do it back. They don't know our real names. (laughs) You guys think my name is Jonathan? You're full of shit. (laughs) I don't know. I don't remember how the fuck we got into it. It was something, I think it was with Classic Xbooks, about the the question segment that we did twice. He Reginald said that he loved it, and he said, uh, What are you and Patty's origin stories? By that, I mean your first meeting love story, and what was the first comic either you first read uh the origin story was we met at a community college uh and a class that we happened to sign up for uh at the same time and i saw her and i thought she was cute and uh, on the first day of class we had to talk to somebody uh, we had to like introduce ourselves to our neighbor or something and i overheard my neighbor who was also patty's neighbor from the other side say something about like nerdy stuff and then we were on an introductory forum for the class and so i said how i'm like a fucking nerd and i like super nintendo and x-men and so patty repl- i was like oh my god those are my favorite things i yeah. hope he's cute <laughs> yeah so she said that her favorite was deadpool and the the fucking the profile picture was like a picture of her face and i was like is that girl and so i was like i'm gonna talk to her so then it was the second it was the second class and i saw her sitting at this table and i was like fuck i'm really nervous because she's really cute and then i was like excuse me are you lady deadpool that was my opening line and i was like what and my... he's like, never mind. That's not Hi. what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and then we started talking about nerdy stuff. And then, uh, yeah, we had we had a bunch of stuff in common. And I thought she was funny. And uh, she seemed to tolerate me being around. <laughs> and then uh, we started uh, hanging out immediately after class before she would go. And then I started taking her to the comic book store. And then uh, we started giving each other hugs. 
and then it was it was kisses on the cheek and then i will never forget this i will never forget this uh i was going out and i thought to myself you know what i'm just gonna i'm gonna stop by the school because i know she has class and i'm gonna and i'm gonna ask her out and so i sat down she's waiting for her class she say oh hey what's up and she's just like talking and then i'm just like uh so uh what would you think about having a boyfriend and she goes okay and then i'm like all right and then a few seconds of silence i'm like you know i was talking about me right <laughs> <laughs> and she said yeah and so that was april 9th and then and then as we were te- texting each other later on she was like, can we just make it the 10th? Because that'll be easier for me to remember. And I was like, that's what we call a red flag in the business. <laughs> no, but it's so good because 4, 10, 14. Uh-huh. And uh, after he asked me out, I was like, okay, you need to leave now. I'm going to have a panic attack. And he was like, oh, that's a good sign. Okay. Yeah, I know. They're and all also be- that happened the first time he kissed me. I was like, get out of my car. <laughs> Yeah, great. Match made in heaven. But uh, I was like, oh, he is cute. <clears throat> and then, you know, he gave me like a Lady Deadpool poster that's still over my bed. And he gave me a Lego Deadpool that <laughs> came from like some set. I actually had it on me when I was getting my tattoo. And I showed the tattoo artist and he asked for that in lieu of a tip. And I was like, I was going to tip you like, you know, like 50 bucks. And he's like, no, 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 man, I have, I have enough money. I just want this Lego Deadpool. And I was like, money can be exchanged for goods and services. <laughs> I was like, no, this guy that I like gave this to me. I made him this little Mega Man keychain. It was like before our class. I had like two hours or something between classes, so I didn't feel like going home because it was like a 30-minute drive and what's the point? So I would just chill at school and play video games or read comics. So we were waiting for a class and one of the doors was open and Jonathan like screamed and the teacher came out and told him to shut up. She didn't tell me to shut up. <laughs> Not in the best condition anymore, but I still have it on my keychain. <laughs> so now on to the second part of that question. First comic either you first read. Uh, for me, I don't remember exactly what issue it was, but it was an issue of Firestorm published by DC Comics, which is slightly embarrassing. But I was six years old. My first comic book ever uh, I used to go to garage sales with my grandmother on weekends. She would take me around to them, and that's where I saw that comic book. And uh, so to be honest with you, if you've never heard me say this before, and you probably haven't, you'll never hear me say it again, Firestorm helped inspire my love of Pyro. Wow, okay. I did not know that was your first comic. <laughs> really? Yeah, no. <laughs> I guess when we were talking about it in the past, it was like always in context of what was your first X-Men comic. Yeah. So... I guess this is embarrassing, too. My first comic wasn't until, like, 2006. NYX was my first comic when I was 12 or 13, something around (laughs) there. I can't do math in my head. I'm an accountant. It was dark and gritty. One of my friends told me that there was, like, a girl version of a Wolverine who was cute and, like, my age. And I was like, wow, that sounds like things that I like. And I'm like, yes, sign me up for that. And I, uh, I bought it. So uh, I went to the comic book store and I bought the trade instead of buying the single issues, which I regret deeply to this day. Well, one day, one day you can get it. It'll be all right. Yeah. It'll happen. I mean, it comes in waves. You know what I mean? One day she's not going to be popular. You know what I mean? Okay. I mean, like, look at Logan. Nobody gives a shit about him anymore. That's true. <laughs> so on to, uh, on to new comics. 
We're going to be talking about the remaining number ones for Dawn of X. So first new comic we're talking about is New Mutants number one. And uh, it opens with Rain. And she's younger. She's cute. She's Maisie Williams. I know. <laughs> Good. And that's fine because you know what? Whatever. You fucking model them after celebrities. I'm all for that. I remember when fucking Mike Diodato was modeling uh, Norman Osborn after fucking Tommy Lee Jones. It was a great time in comic book history. Yeah, but it's, it's great. I love how Storm greets her when, uh, when she comes out of the egg. All the things that made you a prisoner of past sins, they are gone for good and forever. So let the past go and live. And I thought that that was really, really important. Like, out of any character, you know, she is the one who needs to hear that because throughout so much of her history was, first of all, the Catholic guilt. Then it was the trying to break up Richter and Shatterstar with, whoop, I'm pregnant. Like, what are you doing? And then eating her dad. So there's a lot of a lot of sins, a lot of past sins there. And also uh, her getting killed by not standing up to a group of men. Well, that which... is also a writer's sin, if I may. Yes, I agree. <laughs> That is one thing from Rosenberg's run that stuck in Docs for some reason. Um, I don't know. I'm just very confused about the continuity of... She died. No, of this series because they're not keeping anything. And we'll, we'll talk about that more because I have more gripes. Oh, good. Okay. But also I noticed immediately is the art is really, really pretty. Um, yeah, it reminds me kind of of Phil Noto or something. A little bit. I can see that. There's a touch of Sienkiewicz in there in spots too, which I thought was neat. I don't know if that was done on purpose, probably, but I thought that was interesting. So the issue name is the Sextant. It's not. It's not pronounced the Sextaint. We could pronounce it the Sextaint. You can have sex with a taint if it's big enough and foldy enough. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, some some taints are fleshier than others. Oh my god. You know, that's all you need. Uh-huh. Just rubbing flesh together. Yeah. That's all it is. It's just friction, Patty. Uh-huh. Just fun friction. Yeah, that's why scissoring is a real thing that exists. Scissor me timbers. That's <laughs> exactly it. Yeah, see, South Park knew. All right. Anyway, so I looked it up. It is to measure the angle between an astronomical object and the horizon for the purposes of celestial navigation. That sounds like bullshit. <laughs> that's not a real thing. You can't do that. <laughs> That was invented, like, a long time ago. No. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> the moon landing was fake. Whoa. Okay? <laughs> and so we get Mondo. Mondo, who's the guy we met for a couple of minutes back in the day. The yeah. Re- the real Mondo, The real anyway. Mondo. The real Mondo. And he can't absorb Krakoa, um, so why is he here? To test if he can or not, because it didn't work. But then, then Doug decided to test whether Krakoa could fucking take over his body. And uh, he can. So as fucking Danny and Sunspot are walking around the Academos habitat, there's Maggot with Glob, and that's great. Monet is yelling at her sisters, and they're just penances, so that's a which, thing we can all do now. Which is one of my aforementioned gripes, because that's not who Penance was or what Penance did. It wasn't that they all three of them could turn into Penance. It's weird, and I don't like it. Do they transform really? into penance, or are they just yes. penance now? I think because just, we didn't see them as humans. I think it's just sort of like uh, inferred, because we saw Monet transform into penance. So, I mean, I guess we can assume that her little sisters can do that, too. But that's just, that's what I'm getting from it, that they can all transform into penance. So there's no more confusion over... No, the there's t- confusion. <laughs> 
I don't know. Like, why are you going to show Penance in there if you don't know who Penance is? I think that what what the idea with that is to just, like, set it straight going forward. It's just like, there was confusion back then. Here's what we're doing now, and this is how it's going to fucking be. But it was a cute panel, and uh, and the Hellions are there. Like, the X-Men fucking Hellion squad. But then there's a classic Hellion costume, and I'm like, who's that fucking skinny blonde boy? Is that actually fucking Bevatron? Yeah, it's gotta be. Where's the beef? You don't get that because you're a millennial. No, I get the I get the where's the beef, but is there one <laughs> named Beef? Oh yeah, there was the one named Beef. <laughs> I forgot about that. Right, um, that's what I'm saying. Where's the beef, Patty? Patty doesn't even know. I'm really hoping that if this is really going to be an ongoing, they have some kind of arc with the Hellions because oh I mean God, we've me been too. talking about wanting to see the Hellions back since they originally died and then they came back into Croatia and then they stayed dead. One of my favorite parts of this entire issue yes. was Ilyana and the fucking coffee. Uh, Sunspot wanted Ilyana to share some. And she goes, no, it's mine. And it's empty. And then and then she's like, don't make me cut you. And I, I thought that was adorable. And she's, got, she's just like looking at it and like hugging it and has little hearts over her head. Yeah. It's so cute. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I identify with that so hard. I don't think I've ever identified with Ilyana Rasputin more in my life. Uh, Chamber's there. Mondo's there. They're all happy. Bobby and Danny are talking. Danny's like, oh, you're thinking how much better it'd be if Sam were here. And she's like, yeah, he's... And he's like, yeah, let's go on a fucking trip. So they uh, they catch a ride with the fucking Star Jammers. And there was a lot of fun here. That's what I have to say about this issue is that there was just... It was a lot of fun. The dialogue was really funny. It was a little weird in some areas, especially the way Corsair was talking and acting. I get that, like, the kids were a bit of an inconvenience to the Star Jammers. And, like, that all kind of came together at the end of the issue but still they're being a little harsh like uh when fucking uh doug and mondo go into the fucking um chode's fucking garden his fucking like vegetables start dying hey was like really fucking angry and then uh eliana and rouse are fucking sparring because there's nothing better to do and he fucking punches her in the nose i don't know what's going on with all the nose hits in dawn of x but uh but she chops off one of his uh his fucking robotic arm that's yeah. badass. Yeah, and he was like, my arm, and she's like, shut up. This is my real nose. That's a robot arm. Uh, yeah, and uh, but it was funny because Roberto was like, oh, this fight was sponsored by Kentucky Bourbon, and you owe me a bottle to Corsair. And so that was really yeah, funny. Yeah, and Corsair is, like, pissed about this later, and he, like, points that out as one of the reasons that they're going to eventually kick him out. Yeah, yeah. But then they stop on, uh, on Benevolence. There's a data page about this king egg, how it shouldn't be removed from its containment unit i bet it's gonna be removed from its containment unit yeah you know fucking corsair is like oh we have business here on fucking benevolence what kind of business pirate business and they want to fucking go but corsair is like what's the worst thing you can imagine and rain is like judgy fundamentalists and chamber goes people with four arms and he goes well do i have bad news for you it was hilarious how he came up with this fucking bullshit story so quickly about these fucking like uber religious cult with four and how the leader has like four arms i thought that was so funny roberto's like okay that stinks that people are being imprisoned by the fundamentalists but we can't do anything i'm gonna go get the bourbon and danny's like okay he's gone let's go follow star jammers so yeah so there's a fucking egg and they go to take the egg and then a bunch of fucking troops come in and the star jammers are there and they all start fucking fighting and then they take the fucking egg and then, and then, yeah, they're fucking pissed. They're like, oh, you fucking, you killed my plants, and uh, you chopped off my arm. And Epsabah's like, I hate kids. 
<laughs> yeah. That and Corsair's you. like, you stole my bourbon. And I was like, you lost it in a fair bet, you bitch. If you don't want to lose your bourbon, don't fucking bet it. Plus, you have access. <laughs> you have access anytime you want to go to Krakoa, to go to the Summer's house. And you know who's got bourbon? Wolverine. But that's Just not... steal it from Wolverine. But the, is that the Kentucky bourbon? He's got to go I'm sure... all the way from Krakoa to Kentucky. Do you know how I'm much... I'm sure there are gateways in Kentucky. <laughs> you think so? You think there are lots of people who are mutant-friendly in Kentucky? No, they have to... Like, it's one of the places the marauders are going to have to go. Wait, is Kentucky landlocked or is it on the... It's landlocked! <laughs> I forget if Kentucky or there's Tennessee no is, like, on the Patty, coast. There's no water okay, there's in and n- out of Kentucky. Okay, never mind. <laughs> the marauders can't go to Kentucky. Sorry, Kentucky friends. <laughs> So yeah, so Roberto guys kicked off the fucking ship. He's stuck with all the new mutants surrounded by fucking Shi'ar guards. And then there's this fucking sign for uh, have legal trouble, space lawyer. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, that was funny. This issue was just, uh, you know, fun time, even though the penance thing bugs me. Um, (laughs) One panel. (laughs) One panel just really stuck with me. And just that the kids could be so naive to just be like, oh, yeah, these are the two things that we're afraid of. And just believe that Corsair was like, yep, those two things, that's what these people got going on. Yeah, but they went anyway. It didn't fucking matter. Yeah, no, they went because they thought it was a cult that was enslaving and torturing people. But look how nice they were. They were were thinking that they were going to fucking help people. But of course, Sarah was just like, yeah, we're going to fucking steal some shit. They would have been like, okay, cool, let's get drunk. (laughs) Which implies that they're at least 21. I would think that they're all probably right about that age now. Yeah, no, I mean, I thought the art was gorgeous, like I said, and I think that this was a ton, a ton of fun. Some of the, like I said, some of the dialogue and the, the actions from Corsair and the rest of the Starjammers were a little off. I also thought that the dialogue between Roberto and Danny was sort of weird, but still, it was funny. I enjoyed it a lot. I, I mean, I hope that it continues to be, like, a, a fun ride, but I also hope that we get sort of deeper into the characters, like... Rain and Karma and Mondo. You know, now that Rain is back and this is supposed to be like, oh, you know, all of her past sins are, are gone. You know, So is that true, too, for Karma? Yeah. I, because are I we just guess. forgetting all of that stuff, too? Let's forget half of the things. Yeah, no, and, and that's true, too. That's true. But I would like to see more of a spotlight on her and also Mondo. Because how well does anybody really know Mondo? Oh, I know Mondo. What? How do you, how do you know Mondo? Me and Mondo go way back. To when? To the 90s. <laughs> what? We, uh, uh, that was a fake Mondo. That was that was a piece of Black Tom sticking genitals. All right, so moving on. Next issue we're going to talk about is X-Force number one. And I did not notice until I got this issue. Um, and, you know, the cover was like real big in front of me. That Choir's shirt on the cover has all the first names of Cable's X-Force. Ooh. That was genius. Why genius. did you care? Why did you care? I didn't notice. This is this paying homage to our lord and savior, Rob Liefeld. <laughs> so it opens with this masked fucking cult thing, which reminded me of the Court of Owls, which is a Batman thing. I don't understand the reference. <laughs> <laughs> there were these rich people that wore owl masks. Oh. Oh, yeah. I like As this... rich people do. I like the sound of uh, I like the sound of that. I like court and owls. Um, owls are cute, and court reminds me of like Owl people court. getting their comeuppance. Patty, 
does bird law apply to owl court? <laughs> oh my god, I love it. <laughs> Jonathan's never even seen that show. I know the fucking meme. Okay, fine. <laughs> so this group doesn't want mutants in its ranks, so they're all like anonymous. And then uh, you got to fucking drop in blood into the thing to get tested. And I thought that was an interesting... Uh... An interesting way to get DNA of all of the powerful people. And also, anytime I see this, when people are like, oh, we need a drop of blood, and they fucking, like, slash their fingertips, that's, like, the most sensitive part on your body. Like, there are so many better places that you can cut yourself. Like the butt. Like the butt. Yeah. Just cut yourself in the butt. If Give them got some a... butt blood. If you've got a... <laughs> that sounds... <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a problem that you should be you should be seeing the doctor you should be seeing the doctor if you've got butt blood to be fair <laughs> but uh but domino's there and then uh she looks like she's in trouble but it's just domino she can handle herself and then we see one entire feral hog one whole feral hog attacking beast and so there's a back and forth with logan that's just setting things up. I wouldn't have thought that there'd be predators on Krakoa. Uh, I'd, I'd estimate they're about 30 to 50. <laughs> yeah, the dialogue between Beast and Logan just sets up the conflict for this issue. But I didn't think there'd be predators on Krakoa. Oh, every flower-filled meadow's got a hawk or wolf or snake lingering nearby. There's always a predator. Krakoa makes everyone feel safe. And when you're safe, you're soft. I don't know why Logan is suddenly from the South, but we got a lot of talking about the South <laughs> what today. What you said... What do you say? Like anytime there's there's like a paradise, there's a predator. Like we're gonna say, and I'm the predator. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm the predator? No, not you, but like Wolverine. Oh, Wolverine's a predator. Yeah, he is a predator. <laughs> he he preys on all the ladies, hunt but for, they like it. <laughs> hunt for Wolverine to catch a predator. <laughs> <laughs> fucking him uh, and Logan and Beast scenes didn't kill himself. Logan and Beast are just talking to each other. All of a sudden, Chris Hansen comes out from behind the bushes. <laughs> Logan, why don't you take a seat? <laughs> Logan, just take a seat. <laughs> oh man! All right, Black Tom, Black Tom, Black Tom. Is it? <laughs> it's a security alarm. I love that. Uh, yeah, he doesn't have to rob banks anymore because now he got a fucking job. Uh, and there's a data page about the aquatic detector. There's seaweed and plankton. I love me a good data page. This was a good data page, Patty. No, all of them are fucking stupid. I like some of them. And I know we don't get too into them because, to be honest, like, I don't really hate them like you do. But I'm not, like, fucking all about them. But I do appreciate some of them. And this is one that I appreciated. You know, about, how, like I said, how he's got the aquatic detector. How he's got uh, pollen and spores around the island. Um, and also that air and marine vessels have been diverted 200 miles. Uh, I thought that was another interesting little tidbit. But So he's got like his little fucking stick throne, and he senses a boat coming, and uh, it's the fucking Marauders. They saved those people from Russia. Sunfire's there, but so is Colossus, and Colossus is hurt real bad. And this is one thing I have to say. His leg looked fucked up and gross. The art in this book was really fucking dark and gritty. I liked it for the most part. I did have a couple of issues with uh, with some of the way that, like, the characters actually looked here and there. But overall, like, the setting, the colors, it was all really worked for the tone of this book. I didn't even notice that his leg was fucked up. It was Or real that up. Sunfire was there. I just thought he oh. was kind of, like, sleeping on the boat. Sun, so Sunfire's head 
was in part of one panel. Okay, so that's why I didn't <laughs> fucking notice that. Yeah, Colossus was trying to arrange for extraction of all the mutants that were being held there against their will. Another thing that I just kind of want to interject is that they've been pretty... They've been doing a really good job keeping up continuity going between these different um, books. Okay, between the books. Okay. Yeah, because... I'll give you that. Because, like, you know, we didn't get X-Force number one before we got Marauders. So you'd be like, wait, what is this boat doing? And then we get Marauders and we're like, oh, here's the boat. Why did they release this out of order? Then they reference Xavier dying. Spoilers for the rest of this issue. They reference Xavier dying in Fallen Angels and in X-Men number two. Both which came out after X-Force number one where that happened. So what I'm saying, like these are just minor things. But I feel like in the past, these would have been details that the X-Office could have easily and may have easily just dropped the ball on. And they haven't so far. And then but like an asterisk and be like... These events happened before New Mutants number two. They did drop the ball on every other continuity. Patty, forget everything you knew about the X-Men. Well, what about Karma's leg then? Forget about everything Why you knew about Why the- does Karma have a mechanical leg? Why I don't remember you- anything about Karma. Why are you so... <laughs> Patty, why are you so concerned with Karma's leg? All right? Why don't you worry about Patty, Okay. I'll worry about Patty, too. You let Karma worry about Karma. Don't mansplain to me. <laughs> but also, there's another data page about non-treaty nations and how there's an official response to non-treaty nations and an unofficial one. So the official response is, oh, you're our future allies who haven't realized yet the benefits of the, the agreement. This is a friendly disagreement. Like, no big deal. Non-treaty unofficial response, back-channel conduits for any Kreko and medicine must be arranged through the Black King of the Hellfire Trading Company, and mutant operative cells are going to work to undermine the current administration. I thought that was hilarious. I thought that was so fucking funny. Also, the whole thing with uh, Wakanda not wanting the drugs. Yeah. Like, I totally get that because of the history that we had of testing drugs on, like, African-American prisoners and indigenous people in this country. Like, shit like that happened, like, all the time. So, like, I get them wanting to be like, no, fuck your white man drugs. You're not going to use us as guinea pigs like you did to, you know. um, the Tuskegee experiment or whatever it was, where they, like, injected black people, I think it was with syphilis. Yes, yes, that was it. And I think that was still going on until, like, the 1970s. The early 70s, I want to say. But, yeah, no, no, no. That's that's a a really good observation. That's really interesting. But also, you know, like, Wakanda, that's, like, you're talking about, like, the most advanced fucking civilization on the fucking planet with, like, all the technology, all the medicine, all the fucking everything. They're like, yeah, okay, so you've got fucking a drug that can, like, wipe out any fucking, can wipe out any disease. We've had that for, like, 20 years. Fuck you. Yeah, we just haven't told you about it. Because fuck you. We don't share. This is our coffee. (laughs) Right. But uh, but then there's this plane to Hawaii and some suspicious goons. And you know that they're goons because they have funky jawlines. That's how you know it's a goon when you see that, that funky goon jawline. But uh, Sage is checking for Domino, who's been missing for a week, and there's nothing. So Xavier, this was a genius move. Xavier, by himself, most important mutant like on the planet, and the one in charge of the fucking government and the drugs and all this shit, uh, goes by himself to Sokovia for a celebration of the treaty sighting. This fucking little fucking nanobot thing is in his drink, and he doesn't realize it. So that was uh, that was fantastic. Those are the midichlorians, Jonathan. <laughs> Don't mansplain. 
<laughs> Don't midichlorian splain. <laughs> Midoclitorian splain. Oh, man. <laughs> Guys, I don't know anything about Star Wars. It's, I just think it's really stupid. Anytime I can make fun of Star Wars or throw it under the bus, I do. All right, let's see how many subscribers we lost after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it looks like, so those fucking goons are fucking reavers. They commandeer the fucking plane. They're going towards Krakoa. They're putting on all this fucking gear. Looks like they've got all this fucking paint on them. And then they've got the fucking scuba mask things on. Yeah, so, and then they fucking jump out of the plane. So I have a question for you that I asked you before, but you didn't put in here. Uh So how did you know that they were Reavers? Because they were just like normal fucking people. To me, the fucking little mask thing that they wore looked, and the way they were dressed, they reminded me of the Reavers. But also, in the director's cut of this book, with all that extra stuff in the back, like the script, it's where it says, like, uh, CIA slash uh, Reavers. Okay, because there was no indication at all in this book who the fuck these people were. Right, right, right. There were no guys on tank treads. There were no guys with robotic arms or anything. No, 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 I agree. They were just wearing masks. Like, anybody can wear a mask and jump out of a plane. It's not that hard, (laughs) guys. Just do Fucking it. Fucking Reavers. Your job is obsolete. Everyone exactly. can do your job now. Like, okay, come boomer. On. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, come on. I, I didn't get why they were wearing this paint stuff. I thought it was actually maybe it was like KT tape at first. It's tape that you put on your joints. I don't know what athletes use it for, but athletes use it. I don't know. It uh, Athletes use it sometimes for some reason. Unclear. I'm not an athlete. I just know the medical reasons <laughs> to use it. You don't say. <laughs> um, Patty, are you saying you don't like Star Wars or sports? I know. Everybody is going to hate me now. Um, <laughs> Bullshit. Everybody loves you. I just thought it was like KT tape or paint or something, but Zach of Xavier Files thinks that they're wearing her skin. I didn't even think about that until I just read that. Yeah. Um, well, that makes sense. I agreed. I thought maybe Domino, because they got a reading of Domino on Krakoa when the Reavers were overhead, when they were dropping in. She's like, I think it was Sage. It was like, oh, we got a, you know, a reading. So I'm like, okay, maybe she's on the plane. Yeah, maybe... I thought she was with them. I, I don't know. It was very unclear. I feel like a bunch of things in this book were actually like unclear. I feel really? like they left too much for readers to kind of figure out by themselves i i don't know i i disagree to an extent with that i feel like there was probably a little that was that could have been explained better but like honestly this is the only thing that i sort of missed that i think could have been made clear not just from the writer's perspective but also from the artist's perspective and i mostly liked the art in this book but yeah, i feel so like that it, could have been made it's clearer. not just me like you didn't even know that until you saw somebody else say it, and then you said oh yeah that makes sense yeah. but that's not what's supposed to happen when you read a comic i don't really fault him for for all this because i feel like this is stuff that can come back and be explained later you, you know? think it's going to be yeah yeah absolutely okay. the whole wearing if they are indeed wearing domino that's going to come back later absolutely it's going to come back and later. they're going to say we're wearing domino skin something like that okay somebody's gonna make that more explicit than it is now even the thing with the reavers like it just didn't make sense to me like who are these people going on the plane but that's like another thing that we're gonna find out yeah we don't like even though like in the director's cut it said like cia operative or whatever slash reaver 
like who they are and what their purpose was is going to become clear in another issue. Like this stuff is just to be like, you know, just setting up the book. And you have to remember that the team isn't even together yet. Like, I, I feel like what happened at the end of this when they actually fucking shot Charles in the head which was fucking nuts and he's allegedly dead, that, you know, that's that's really what's going to sort of be the catalyst for this team being put together and their purpose as X-Force. And we're not even there yet, you know? So I feel like it's all just sort of set up. And I'm trying to think about, you know, like, I think it's it's one of those things that's like when you're reading the individual issues, like how you see it, and then you got to wait a month for there to be more, as opposed to if you're reading a trade and everything is right there. So if you have these questions, just turn a few more pages into the middle of next issue, and there's your questions that are answered. I mean, shit. Yeah, I get that. I've but, I've heard even uh, Hickman's stuff sucks reading it issue to issue. And then, like, think about it. This is the same guy that wrote Wolverine the Long Night, which you seem to like a lot. I love that series. But also think about that. By the time we started listening, the entire fucking thing was already out. And I don't know about you. Yeah, that's true. But, like, every day I was listening to, like, another half of an episode. So, you know, like, it's I, I feel like this comes with just the territory of now reading this and having to wait a while. Fair. But, but I, I thought this was, this got crazy real fucking fast. What I didn't buy, a, a small issue that I had with this, but I guess it's kind of a major one, is that, you know, Black Tom yells for Charles to fucking run away, you know, when they hit ground. Um, because they shoot this poor mutant woman in the fucking head. Wolverine's fucking going after them. Like, it's just, it's crazy. But nobody came to Charles' defense. Like, Krakoa couldn't open up and swallow him. Like, I'm not even making a joke there. But, like, get him to safety. You know what I mean? To make sure that this man would be okay. That he actually got stopped and froze in front of one of these fucking Reavers and got shot in the head. I don't know. Um, Yeah, no, I agree. That was a big oversight. Yeah. And Jean was, like, being awesome. She's like fuck you know pussyfooting around yeah, and being let's get all violent. nice let's fuck shit up but let's see more of that and also the thing with charles dying is mutants don't die they can bring back anybody that said that yeah so why is this a big deal and why are they mentioning it in other books when it happened i was just like shrug who the fuck cares <laughs> because he's just gonna be reborn again in 12 minutes yeah that's possible the thing is is like it was like really big and sad right here at the end of this issue but oh xavier diving is never sad but when they mentioned it in fallen angels and when they mentioned it in x-men number two it's not like people were crying over it and having this big memorial service no it's xavier fuck it but (laughs) no because he might in fact be resurrected but remember you gotta wait a month that's stupid. Well, whatever. I didn't make the rules. I complained to the council. I don't. I don't remember that. I. I. Uh, why did they always have to have rules in comic books? And and his helmet came off, and we didn't get to see his face. I want to see that shit. Show me that. Yeah. Shit. Show. Show, show us me the body. His dead body. Show me the body. Exhume the body. <laughs> Fuck it. No, but I really like this issue. Like I said, I like the art. Sometimes the, you know, actual, like I said, the faces and whatever of the characters were off, but it was mostly good. I kind of like the spotlight on Black Tom just because I feel like he is a really interesting security system. I feel like they need that for Krakoa. And obviously they're going to have to step it up now because this fucking group of villains figured out a way to get through it. Uh, I feel like this is a good fucking reason for this team to come together. It's really good, even though it, it feels a little random right now. But I'm I'm sure it'll feel more connected as we go forward. I'm, I'm But I'm still looking at this like, how did Charles not see what was in his drink? You know, but that was more of like because the an helmet artist is problem. too big. 
The helmet was obstructing his view. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Next, we're talking about Fallen Angels, which a lot of people were like, it sucks. So I went into this with very low expectations. I didn't hate this. I was expecting to, but I didn't. So there's a little girl, and then a panel shows her looking old, and she blows up a subway. Yeah, that was weird. So that was weird. That was really weird. She looked kind of awful, but I figured I, I figured later they kind of did, the artist did that on purpose, because at first, like, the art was pretty. I did not enjoy any of the art in this. Did you really? Yes, I told you that was my major complaint in this, was I thought the art was bad. Patty! Jonathan! <laughs> I mean, I did have some issues with the art, but overall, it was, I would say, very good. Not great or amazing, but not bad. I, I would I really say did. pretty bad. So that's interesting that you really like the art, but I was just like, wow, okay, I guess I can have to deal with this art. So this issue was a lot of like flashbacks and Quanon talking to herself and some master person, I guess, talking to her about like, oh, you're just you're just a caterpillar, and we're gonna make you a butterfly. But Quanon is narrating. Saying we both earned our, our mercy, like her name, goddess of of mercy. So I thought that that was interesting. And actually, Colette on Twitter had a really interesting thread about Quanin, kind of what the writer is symbolizing in this issue. And I thought it was really interesting. So she is at Saint June ninety one, and yeah, just it was a uh, it was a really interesting thread about legends, and uh, that's kind of what the writer was getting at here. So I thought that that was kind of neat because, you know, some people were sort of criticizing Psylocke's journey in this book. She had a child in this, and that kind of took away her agency as, like, an individual and just made her into this sort of, like, mother-like figure. But it has to do with with the actual lore. I was really confused about her having a kid because, like, Betsy was controlling her body for the past 20 years. So when did she have a kid? When she was younger. Before that. Before? For that. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, she would have been, she looks kind of young. She would have been, she would have been pretty young, I would assume. But, you know, this sort of thing was never touched on before. And it did seem like a weird thing. But again, if he had a purpose for it, if this was inspired by actual lore, then good for him. We'll, we'll see where it goes. She's got some of the art here, like the, the fucking big, and they're not quite splash pages, but there's like, it's like this really trippy art. I got to give credits to like, to like the inker and the colorist, not just the penciler, but a lot of this looked really interesting when she's like opening a flower with her blood there are fucking butterflies like you know flying over and it all just looks like honestly almost like an acid trip but it's like really really fucking pretty but Psylocke has this fucking vision and hears this voice like your enemy is named Apoth do not ask my name Abraham placed his child on the slab when he was asked and you'll wither here Psylocke take up this war Apoth is a tetragrammaton the new name of God and so I looked up Tetragrammaton, and it means the Hebrew name of God in four letters, like Y-H-W-H as Yahweh, which is not something I'd ever heard before. I don't understand what that means. Like, this is the Hebrew name of God in four letters. Tetragrammaton means means that, and that's what this is. And Yahweh is the name of the Jewish God? Yeah. W-H-Y-H stands for I've Yahweh, which is a way to say that. God. You never heard Yahweh before? Yeah. Yeah, Yahweh or no way. You never heard that that silly saying before? No. <laughs> yeah. It's the thing I learned when I was a kid in Sunday school. I mean, that's not what we called God, but we learned about it. That's like, that's what you could call God. 
So yeah, but Psylocke kind of buys into this fucking vision that she has, and she goes and talks to Magneto, and Magneto's like, no. She's like, but go talk to Mr. Sinister. And she's like, wait, you just said no, and now you're going to help me break the rules? And Magneto's like... Well, in the wake of Xavier's death, I was so upset. So I thought that that was, I thought that that was funny. So she goes to Sinister, and it's just, it's just, it's hilarious. It's like, you know, like, like you ask your mom for something, and she's like, go ask your dad. And then you go ask your dad, and your dad's like, go ask your mom. Because Sinister was like, go talk to Magneto. And she's like, I already fucking did that. I mean, this is where I had sort of a complaint about the art. Well, one of my complaints was they were literally just like square boxes on the fucking page. Honestly, if they're just having a conversation, I don't know how you could make it super interesting. And this was one way to do it. But this was one of my complaints. Like the dialogue with Psylocke and Magneto and then Psylocke and Sinister, it could have been could have been drawn better. I don't know. I mean, I didn't notice that. But I don't know. How else can you talk to somebody <laughs> other than in boxes? In boxes. <laughs> That's how you talk to people. Yeah. What's you go the up to them and you press you press box. Pa- Patty, what's in the box? <laughs> A conversation with a friend. (laughs) So, I don't know. This whole thing between, like, oh, I have to be mad at Bessie because she stole my life. Like, bitch, she did not steal your life. We don't need all this, you know, women-on-women violence. This all this fucking, like, cat-fighting hostility bullshit that should have never began in the first place with Jean and Emma. And now it's coming up here. (laughs) Like what it all comes back to it does it comes down to that fucking panel that whatever asshole wrote that (laughs) made years ago and it's still bullshit and now they're doing what you don't know who wrote that was it claremont no who was it grant morrison yeah well fuck him (laughs) i'll fight him Yeah, the, this doesn't need to be a thing. Um, you know, people are talking about ending the Gene Emma bullshit. Why start more fucking bullshit? I don't think Psylocke is ready to talk to Betsy yet. Like, I kind of, I kind of get it. I am sure that the two of them are going to have a conversation. I mean, I see where you're coming from. So yeah, so I mean, Sinister says, you know, basically don't, don't go alone. And so you, you cut to X-23 and Gable, and it almost seems like they're flirting a little bit. But then she fucking punches him in the nose. Again, more fucking nose hitting. There's just tons of nose hitting in Doc so far. And and this this is where it sort of lost me. And I saw that the writer said on Twitter today, Laura saying that she doesn't want to live in Logan's shadow was kind of a throwaway line that he wishes he had changed before it came out. But honestly, it wasn't so much that. It was her... It was the way she was talking, you know? She's like... Mutants have never been this safe, and safety sucks. You know, it just seems like a lot of her character development over the last decade, more than a decade, was just kind of, not completely forgotten, but somewhat forgotten, you know what I mean? Um, so do you see what I'm saying now about continuity, and how there is none? No, well, see, I disagree with none, but, but I- Okay, there is a minutia. Okay, I will say that there is not a plethora to your minutia. (laughs) I really, also, really, really don't want X-23 and Cable to be a thing. Oh, no, no, no. I'm certain they're not going to be. Also, because Kid Cable needs to, like, go back and bring back old Cable. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Just give us old man Cable. That's that's the guy. That's the guy. (laughs) Like... I don't, I don't know. 
know why why make cable young sex appeal like yes i don't know literally the reason but like he was already fucking ladies <laughs> i don't whatever and then x23 is like i'll go with you to kick some ass but this guy's not coming right and then salak's like okay they were they were talking to this japanese lady she was talking about what apoth was uh apparently he was just like a fucking rumor or something like they, she was trying to get them to believe that it wasn't real but overclock is this drug it's a digital narcotic so that's when i realized that that girl in the beginning was meant to be drawn that way you know dr- junkies want this drug little girl with the purple hair has a butterfly on the back of her neck she had the fucking thing connected to her head she put it on that's the fucking overclock and so yeah and so then we find out fucking Quanan had a kid when she was when she was younger i lo- again i loved the art here though like you know the, the, some of the art was iffy in this book like some of the characters faces and whatever but like when psylocke stabs this woman in the head butterflies fly out and it's just fucking gorgeous i absolutely loved it and by the way apoth or apoth is short for apothecary it's short for apocalypse <laughs> <laughs> The drug apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We're on drugs. Yeah. That's what... That always goes so well. <laughs> and you know who we can thank for that? Reagan. Reagan. <laughs> Thanks, Reagan. Thanks, Reagan. But yeah, so fucking Psylocke takes Laura to the fucking place she saw in the Japanese lady's mind. And this was weird. A little the dialogue because Psylocke was like, I have no intention of letting anyone survive here. Two panels down. Don't hurt them. This isn't their fault. I was like, wait, what happens between... Two panels ago in this panel. Maybe it's because there's kids and she's got a soft spot for kids now. Now that she and the reader know that she has a does child. She, does she know that she has a child? <laughs> Do we know that? Did they say that? Do we know that she knows? <laughs> I don't know if we know that she knows, but we know. <laughs> so so who's Apoth? Apoth is the bad guy. Apoth, Apoth was inside this... Well, that, that was going to sound real bad. <laughs> I was going to say Apoth was inside this little boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, the, but the kids just fall over. And then fucking the one of them starts speaking. He tells Laura and Psylocke to go back to their exile. And then the kid falls over. But anyway, then she goes back to Sinister. She's got Laura and Nathan with her. But she asks... Uh, Mr. Sinister to keep the team a secret from the fucking council. And in return, she's going to bring back whatever Apoth is for Sinister to play with before she kills him. She she says that Laura and Nathan are caterpillars and she's going to make them butterflies. Okay, listen. <clears throat> Laura is already a fucking butterfly. <laughs> Nathan is a caterpillar and he's on a make whole other level. He <clears throat> needs to go to the remedial class. Whoa, the remedial that... caterpillar class. <laughs> Maybe he's just a very hungry caterpillar. Aw. You ever read that book? Yeah. I read that book all the time when I was little. Yeah. So, I like to... Listen, I like this book for the most part. Some of the art was amazing. Especially, like, the colors. Some of the art was weird and they could have done more with it. I like the spot the spotlight on Psylocke. Because she was never a character I cared too much about. And now, before all you Psylocke lovers fucking get mad... I didn't hate her. I never disliked her. She was just, you know, another character. Yeah, there's, she was just kind of there. It was the same way for me. There's a bunch of characters who are popular in, like, X-Men history who I'm not fucking nuts about. She just is one of them that I'm always okay with. And I get her motivation and the potential for her journey here, and I'm, I'm excited to see that. I am not sold on Laura at all. 
Like, if we get more behind her emotions here, maybe, I would get it like, oh, I tried this, I tried this, and you know, at my core, this is kind of who I am, and I need to go do this right now, I need to help this woman track this. She was like, gotta stab people on board. Yeah, so you get what I'm saying. You know, there wasn't enough of that, so I'm not sold on that yet at all, and that was a really, a really big point of contention with me, that I'm not there yet. Maybe Kid Cable, I don't know. I'm iffy about him in both this and X-Men. Again, kind of like Vulcan, although not not to that much of a pronounced degree, but like just kind of funny and dumb. You know, I complained about Kid Cable in X-Force, and I was like, this man, this young, well, this man, this boy needs to have this conversation with the team, but he seemed more confident there and more serious there, and I'm not getting that now. So, okay, I just, maybe he's just something I have to get used to, but Laura, I, I need more. He was just like, hey, mom, can I... Can I trade guns with Raza? Yeah. yeah, sweetie, that's great. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, it's just, you know, so I don't know what they're doing with him here. I guess he's supposed to be around for levity, but I'm sure Kid Cable will get some badass moments if he's going to be in Fallen Angels going forward. I don't know, maybe I'm just being overcritical, but but I liked I liked this issue, you know? Overall, I liked it. Overall, I thought it was pretty decent, like, middle of the road. Um, I think the concept with the, like, digital drug is super interesting. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of that. But, you know, the complaints about Laura and just continuity in general are still there. Yeah. But that's something I've had a problem with in all of these books. There's always something that's wrong. And I don't know if that's intentional. Maybe not. Yeah, I mean, but still, uh, overall, I would say that Marauders is still my favorite and New Mutants is probably in a relatively close second. Yes, I agree. Can you smell what the stinking genitals of Krakoa are cooking? Are they cooking overclock, you junkie? Don't you butterfly away. We'll be right back after the commercial break. Bobby! Why is this man bent over with his pants down? He's... he's still doing it. He hasn't even moved. Simon, no. No, this is John, and he just likes pranking us when he's bored. Oi! Simon, was it? I was just showing Bobby this awesome geeky website. Geeky.com! Please pull up your pants. Yeah, look, Geekade.com has articles and podcasts about all these different geeky topics, plus YouTube and Twitch channels. Wow, a podcast about video game music? A series of articles about anime? Wrestling, movies, books, there's something for every kind of geek. Geekade.com sure looks like a treasure trove of content for geeks like us. And speaking of treasure, yar, you'll have to walk the plank if you don't give me your booty. Hey, Simon, follow me and I'll show you the poop deck. Huh? Wait, no, don't look! Ah, it's his ass again! Simon! Check out geekade.com today! Hey! 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 And we're back. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you guys were listening to that awesome commercial. We watched an episode of Pose. Yes. Yeah. That's what happened. And I love it now. We just watched the first episode, and then I was informed that there are, in fact, two seasons available. So That is correct. I'm excited for that. Yes, my aunt and uncle uh, asked if we wanted to have a weekly pose night. Jonathan could not go there last weekend because he was feeling under the weather. Yeah. And um, my uncle has ALS and uh, one of my family members 
told me that he couldn't be around people who are sick. And then my uncle was like, no, you can you can be around me. That's fine. Because no. he's on like a whole bunch of drugs or whatever. So he's fine. I just figured I was never going to see your uncle again with the way my health is. But uh, that'll be cool. I saw a trailer for, for Pose um, a while ago. And I was like, oh, this looks this looks interesting. I want to watch it. I had no idea what it was about because I feel like all of the ads that I saw was just of like people dancing with like 80s like house music in the background. And I'm like, what is this show even about? Yeah. So I probably saw like the season two trailer or something and just had no fucking idea. But I was like, this is kind of interesting. And then all of a sudden, Patty's like, yeah, we watched it. And I'm like, I don't watch it. So we watched it. And uh, that kind of uh, reminded me of something that we're about to talk about. I was like, Pose is just like fallen angels, but one is gayer and one has more lobsters. Also, they both came out in 87. That was a good year. Perfect. I feel like that's why Pose is set in 1987, because it's supposed to be fallen angels. I mean, it wasn't a very good year if, you know, you were gay or trans but apparently reagan, but reagan was president so <laughs> how bad could it have been patty exactly <laughs> and uh quicksilver quicksilver was yes, in this yes as quicksilver as quicksilver yeah not some weird creepy guy who wants to just listen to the radio yeah and work for james Late. ben work for james vanderbeek who works for trump yeah <laughs> All I can think about when I see him, because I knew who he was, but I don't remember seeing him in anything. I just think of him from the fucking Kesha video. Where oh, James Vanderbeek? Yeah, where she's like, oh, if it isn't Mr. James Vanderdouche the second. Oh my God, what? I yeah. had no idea that was a thing. It might have been from Blow. I know that song. I love that song. <laughs> I fucking love that song. I never saw the video, though. I used to play that at work. I used to sing to that song. Can you imagine me singing that song? Yes, I fucking it's love a that good song. song. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're recording this in two parts because, well, by the time you guys hear this, it'll, it'll be a little while. The weekend will have already passed, but as of this recording, we're going to a convention next weekend. So I figure instead of cutting the episode short, like we did a couple of months ago, we would just record it in two parts. So we're recording one part now and we're going to record the next part during the week before the convention. And then you guys are going to hear it. So we are going to spotlight Fallen Angels. Because Fallen Angels just came out by the time you're hearing this. So I'm sure our discussion about it was great. The future. <laughs> no, right? I love the wonders of editing. This is where my tech skills really shine. I can copy sound waves and paste them next to other sound waves. And that is called editing. So wow. hire me. Pay me. No, but we're going to be talking about the uh, volume one of Fallen Angels, which came out in 1987. Eight-issue miniseries by Mary Jo Duffy and Carrie Gamble. Well, Carrie Gamble did the art for half of it, and the other half was by Joe Stanton. And I liked Carrie Gamble's art better. I was not a huge fan of the way Stanton drew uh, Sunspot, but for the most part, it was still pretty good. So the whole setup for this series is really it's based around Sunspot and the New Mutants. Because they're all all the fucking New Mutants are playing soccer. Which is the New Mutants version of baseball. I guess they had to differentiate themselves from the X-Men in some way. Yeah. You know, the X-Men are always playing baseball, so right. they got to do something else. They got a Brazilian on the team. Yeah, I was going to say, they got a Brazilian. He, they have to play soccer. Literally, like, Sunspot's first appearance, he was playing in a fucking soccer game. So, yeah. hell yeah. But yeah, so, so they're playing soccer, and uh, Magneto is trying to figure out how he's going to teach these kids. Uh, he doesn't really want to deal with it anymore, so he calls Moira McTaggart, and that was good timing because something bad's about to happen. Bobby and Sam collide during the game. Sam, you can see his, like, 
elbow in Roberto's neck or something. Like, it looked pretty bad. But uh, Roberto gets really pissed and, like, charges up and fucking throws Sam off of him, like, into a fucking tree. And the dude ends up having, like, a concussion. And the rest of the team, they're all really fucking pissed at Roberto. Because they didn't see Sam, you know, elbow him in the throat. Yeah. And they're like, how dare you? And and Roberto is acting like a spoiled little brat. He's like, oh, nobody's taking my sign. Meh. <laughs> they all think that I'm a bad guy. <laughs> I would never hurt my friend on purpose, but he started it. But it's, it's... That's basically him for this entire series. He's very annoying. And every issue opens with, my name is Roberto DaCosta. I am 14 years old. Yes. I'm also a mutant name song. It was okay. You know, like, I'm, I'm just kind of like poking fun, but... But anyway, yeah, so fucking, you know, the new mutants, Magneto, they take they take Sam to the fucking doctor. They find out that he's got a concussion, and, like, Moira shows up, and she brings uh, Siren and Madrox along. Uh, but by then, it's it's too fucking late. By the time they get home, they, Bobby left a note. He he left. He decided to, to become a runaway. Ooh, Ooh. she's a little runaway. Yeah, I don't know that that's song. That's a song. I can't, I can't sing. I can't. But he didn't join I'm the not, runaways. I'm not Kesha. He, no, joins, he, he joins uh, the Fallen Angels because uh, the Runaways weren't a thing yet. Yeah, the Runaways weren't born yet. But fucking, he slept on a bench in Port Authority. And I'm like, dude, Good you for him. That place is covered are, in piss. You can't, exactly. What do you mean good for him? You want him to take a golden shower? That's I'm, just wrong on lots of levels. I'm just saying <laughs> that he is a strong boy. <laughs> but yeah, that was gross. But he meets this, uh, this fucking girl who nobody really knows is a girl yet. But uh, clearly Chance was a victim of human trafficking. So you sort of get some sympathy and understand why she's such a hard bitch. And she has to be a hard bitch because she's like fucking living in, in the streets. She steals some calendars, makes some money, and she's about to get robbed. And fucking Bobby comes to the rescue until his power mysteriously drains. So I thought that this was a good setup issue. Like, I, I get what you're saying about it, him being, like, whiny and spoiled and shit, but how else were they going to sort of set up this fucking, like, you know, Brazilian fucking rich boy ending up fucking sleeping on a fucking bench in Port Authority? Well, no, I think it was a good setup. I just think that him whining constantly all the through all of these issues about just, like, oh, I'm a bad man, and I had to leave my friends, and none of of them care about me, and I'm devoted to this life of crime now. That's basically what he says to himself every issue. So I would just skip any boxes that he was narrating. Um, Well, also, okay, but but to be fair, Magneto... Yeah, Magneto left out his report card that said, like, oh, if it's not for Sam, his best friend helping him, I fear he might become like his dad. Yeah, and join the Hellfire Club and be a Which fucking Which kills his girlfriend, yeah. Yeah, so... But every issue, come on, get over it. Yeah. And he also said this a lot, like, oh, a DaCosta stealing food? Never. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you are broke, you have no money, you're on your own in a strange city come on you're not like mr high and mighty you have to realize your birthright or whatever doesn't make you like better than anybody else i mean he kind of like was the vehicle to get the reader here but he wasn't exactly the focus of the story even though we got like reminders that it was sort of about him and he's the reason why we're here it was about a lot more than than him in in my opinion like he wasn't like the fucking breakout star of this book he like there were a lot of characters here and i feel like the writing handled them all 
very well. Um, the characters who were supposed to be likable were, and the characters who were supposed to be unlikable really fucking were. Speaking of unlikable, we meet Ariel. Uh, she saves Chance, and they, you know, fucking know each other. The guys who were trying to steal from Chance when Roberto was, you know, trying to intercede, uh, they started beating the shit out of him because his powers fritzed out. Yeah, for some unknown reason. Yeah, so Ariel grabs Chance and was, we're like, okay, let's get the fuck out of here. They just disappear, and then a <laughs> warlock shows up. And nobody else wanted to go because they're bad friends. Yes. They're all bad friends. It's not that he asked any of them. They're just bad friends. They're bad friends being led by Magneto. Yeah. Did you know Magneto was a supervillain? Is he? <laughs> okay, I really hate how they took Magneto after he left leading the New Mutants and made him into a villain again and explains like, oh, it was because he wanted power in the Hellfire Club the whole time or something like that. Just like, I felt like really betrayed by that revelation. You know, like not- Yeah, Claremont will do that to you, Patty. Claremont will betray you. No, not like, I feel like (laughs) Claremont betrayed, like (laughs) Magneto betrayed me or something. Like he betrayed the New Mutants. But like, I felt betrayed kind of by how it was written. No, I understand. I I understand. I was just making a- Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely it does. I I, I was making a a dumb joke. I felt like it was really cheap and stupid and a dick move. That sounds like- Every adjective about Chris Claremont. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm half joking. So Sunspot, to further, to further the notion and the believability that Sunspot could be a villain, you know what he does? He breaks down a door belonging to a church. <laughs> yeah, because uh, he's like, fuck it, I need money. And uh, I'm a bad guy now, so this is fine. And then he realizes that it's a church and, you know, the priest is like, oh, can I help you? And he's like, ah, no, no, I feel bad. Yeah, but then the church is about to get robbed, and then this little boy shows up, and he's talking to a couple of little shadowy figures by his feet, and somehow this little boy and the shadowy figures beat up those goons. And uh, also during this time, Moira went to New York with um, Siren and Madrox. Yeah. So basically just told the two of them to go to New York and try to find Bobby and... Nobody else wants to. And not Warlock. One, not one person in the world... Except for Warlock, the alien, gives a shit about Roberto da Costa. I want everybody to remember that. Nobody cared about Roberto da Costa. So, yeah, I think that she said for them to go because they were, like, teenagers, like the rest of the kids or whatever. And also, it's a lot easier for Madrox to find people, obviously, with his powers. So they have a portable Cerebro thing. That was about the size of an actual cell phone in 1987. And so was the case to carry this fucking thing around in. And then there was was some weird stuff going on with Madrox during these books. So he duplicated a few times to, you know, try and split up to find the kids. This... This lady was like, oh, can you help me with my luggage or whatever? And he's like, yeah, sure. Okay, cougar. (laughs) Yeah, so (laughs) not only does he, like, carry her luggage to the cab, but he decides to take the cab with her. Yeah. Bring it, like, to her front door, which is weird. And then he decides that he does not want to join with Jamie Prime. Yeah. So that was a weird thing that was going on here. He liked being independent. But, yeah, I guess he was, they said, a mutation of a mutation. But I thought that was a weird addition to this story. Oh, yeah. So everybody, finally, after all this journey, everybody sort of, like, comes together at the same time. Uh, Madrox finds Sunspot and Warlock. And the little boy, Gomi, is there. He invites Sunspot to join the Fallen Angels. 
and we see that Bill and Don are lobsters. And the funny part about this, other than them being fucking lobsters following this boy around, is that Don wanted to go into the seafood restaurant to get something to eat. Yes. And Gomi had to tell him, like, no, you don't, you don't do that. In the first episode of Metalocalypse... <laughs> They were going shopping at a grocery store called Fin Trolls, which I remember because it's a band that oh I like. So Pickles was talking to this old lady and he was like, he picked up a lobster from one of the tanks and he's like, you see, you're telling me if I, if I cook this lobster, it's going to turn red and it's going to die. That's the most metal thing I've ever heard. High five. That is fucking messed up. <laughs> okay, so here's a true story. The actor Edward Furlong, he was the little boy in the second Terminator movie. He, he got arrested for going into a grocery store and trying to free lobsters. Wow, that sounds like something I would do. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Vanisher appears and tries to con- convince Sunspot that he understands and cares. And Siren sees Vanisher and Siren knows that Vanisher is a villain. And she starts to attack. And then everybody runs into the door where Ariel and Chance are. And Roberto decides to follow. And Madrox and Siren go in the door, and they're like, what the fuck? It's the fucking restaurant. So where'd they all go? So you know this this can't be the greatest situation if there's, like, these fucking children and Vanisher is in charge. Like, this this can't be good news. But Roberto goes with them and is fucking separated from Siren and, and Madrox. Right after they found them. Yeah, right after they found them. Um, but at least they sort of, like, know who he's with now, even if they don't know where he is. Or what the fuck just happened. But I have to say that Bill and Don are so adorable. Uh, out they of... talk in pictures like Artie does, and it's yeah. so cute. Yeah, it, it is really fucking cute. But just, like, the drawings of them and their personalities. Like, even in, like they weren't obviously the focus of this book, although they did get a couple of little spotlights here and there. But just the way that the artists drew them... Like, they were able to capture, like, cute emotions from them. Like, you could tell just what, like, one of them was happy and his eyes were closed. And it was, like, snap, snap, snap around his claws. So he was, like, purring like a kitten or something. You know, so it was just, it was really cute. But, yeah, and so they want to fucking listen to music. Don wants to listen to music. Gomi mentions the talking heads. I thought that was amazing. And uh, there's a fucking poster of Rodney Dangerfield from the movie Back to School in the background in one of the panels. And by the way, a young Robert Downey Jr. was in that movie. I bet you didn't know that. I did not know that. I've never heard of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) But it's the 80s. So you've got the Talking Heads and a Rodney Dangerfield movie. So, So it's perfect. And Madrox and Siren seem to be... Uh, flirty. So they seem to be a little flirty, which Siren is Siren calls him uh, Makushla, which is the thing that her dad calls Moira. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know Irish words. <laughs> Do you really? That one. <laughs> um, all right, so apparently fucking... Agomi's telekinetic, but he's got like no control over it, so he makes a fucking mess, and Vanisher starts calling him names, and Bill claws at his foot. Gomi starts talking about like his fucking origin, and how Don is a mutant lobster. Gomi's cousin and his cousin's friend were, like, really fucking smart and got this, like, fucking grant from their school. And they were obsessed with Marvel Girl. They were, like, trying out these fucking experiments. So they they put some fucking, like, machine in fucking Gomi's head. And that's what gave him his telekinetic power. And they fucking did experiments on Bill and Don, too. They have super strength. And they have super strength, yeah. And uh, they were fucking dickwads and treated Gomi like shit. They're the ones who named him that, Gomi, which is, it says it in the book, which is Japanese for garbage. 
so I can relate to uh, the cousin a little bit for, uh, you know, having this major heart on for Marvel Girl. But I wouldn't have gotten upset about her turning into Phoenix. I don't know. They they seem to have gotten too upset about that because she was finally showing her face and you could tell she was fucking gorgeous. So I don't whatever. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why they were mad about that. But guess who shows up? It's it's my baby girl. Boom, boom. Yeah. She's causing trouble for X Factor, so Ariel picks her up right in time. And then Siren and Madrox find them. So again, the group all fucking comes together again. But we're going to see a love triangle here because Boom Boom says that she liked Madrox better when she thought he was twins. And I'm like, she wants to get fucking Boom Booms from each other. Yeah, she wanted to get DP'd. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, but already, just like, a lot of these kids got a lot of personality. You know, this was... This was back when, like, I feel like books were more dialogue-heavy, so you could get more characterization, because a bunch of these kids were fucking brand new, you know what I mean? Like, Ariel, Chance, and Gomi had never appeared in anything else before. And And hadn't ever since. Except for Ariel. Yeah, and Gomi, I think, had maybe one appearance or two appearances since. I don't think Chance has had any. Ariel decides to fucking get them all at the Beat Street Club because there's so many of them now and it, like, can't fit them all. And all of a sudden, they're in, like, this fucking different world and there's, like, a fucking dinosaur and they're all, like, trying to fucking fight it or, like, run away. And we find out that Ariel is an alien. But along the way, she kind of explains her powers she said that she's not a mutant. Oh, she's so stupid, though. But that anybody on her home planet can do this. You just have to know physics or whatever. That's that the lesson. You just have to, like... You just have to apply yourself, okay? You can open any door. physics. You can open any door you want in life. All you have to do is apply yourself. That's... That's, um, that was the message under Reagan, everybody. <laughs> yeah, so her power is that she can think of any other door and any door she opens in front of her will take her to that doorway. She's instead. Lady Doorman. Yeah, she's Lady Doorman, basically, <laughs> before before Doorman became a thing. Was Man Doorman. Yes. <laughs> also, Ariel was one of Kitty's original codenames. Yes. She went by for like two issues. Yes. And obviously Van- Vanisher is a fucking douchebag. But so this was an interesting twist on Ariel too. And I don't think it had been explained yet. I don't think it was explained until like the very end of this series that she had this power of fucking persuasion. And that actually did make her a mutant because there was one panel where she was sitting down and Vanisher like said something about her sitting there. And she was like, oh, because you wanted me to sit here so you could sit on that box. And he's like, huh, I guess you're right. Like Vanisher, he wasn't like overtly villainous. In this series, but he, he was, was a complete, kind of like a pussy and was, very out for himself. He was such a douchebag, but like he wouldn't have been okay with that. So you could kind of see that here, um, that something more was going on with her. Same thing with Chance. Like in the very first issue, you know, when Roberto's powers kind of like just stopped working, you know, that was kind of like the reminder to me. Because I read this series, I have a few issues of this series, which I read as a kid, but I never read the whole series. Uh, until recently, when we were getting ready to talk about this, as soon as I saw Roberta's power kick out, I'm like, yep, that was her. That was Chance's thing. Um, and that's weird, because I've read this series twice before, and I actually forgot about it. I thought that it just kind of shit out, because it was during nighttime, and he didn't learn that he can't use his powers indefinitely at night. So I like completely forgot that what her power was, yeah. actually. Yeah, but again, this was that was another thing that... They didn't say 
out loud until almost the end of the series. But obviously there were a lot more clues along the way. But basically while they're in this fucking dinosaur world, they pick up Moon Boy and Devil Dinosaur, who were kind of a weird addition to the series, but it was a little funny. There are characters who have been around for a while and have appeared in a lot of other things. I've never paid them any attention because I've never really been interested. Um, Me neither, but I did read Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, and uh, it was really cute. But after a while, I kind of dropped it because it was, like, way too kidsy. You gotta complain about fucking artsy, pretentious things. You gotta complain about the kids things. What makes Patty happy, okay? You. Aww. I was not expecting that. Thank you. You make me happy, too. So, uh, so, you know, the fucking devil dinosaur scares Vanisher. So he's like, sure, you can join. But issue five opens with the cover saying that someone is gonna die. You know, again, there's just fucking more clues that more is going on with these, with, uh, like, Chance and Ariel. The fucking Cerebro even registered them as, like, latent mutants or whatever. And, uh, they find a new spot for the clubhouse. One that's big enough for devil dinosaur to fit. So that's cute. And uh, a bunch of them pair up to go find food, and Boom Boom is upset she gets stuck with Gomi. And Don and Bill aren't happy about it either because they're snap-snapping at her. And I thought that that was really cute. I fucking love the two of them. They're fucking great, man. They go for the fucking ankles. They go for the ankles, you don't see them coming. That's where their strength comes from. You can't even see them coming, they're gonna get you. Snap, snap. Rock Lobster. Uh, (laughs) I love that song. I really hope that the three of them, or at least the two of the lobsters, show up on Krakoa. It's been a hot minute since we've seen them. Um, I feel like they and what was his name? Takeshi from Exterminators? Exterminators. Yeah, WizKid. WizKid, yeah. They like never showed up again. Like WizKid, uh WizKid, I don't know too much about his appearances over all the years, but I know that he did appear, I believe it was in Avengers Academy. Very briefly, he wasn't like a featured character or anything, but I'm certain that he showed up in at least a panel there. But no, you're right. There were that was another miniseries, you know, just kind of like, you know, took place for, for Inferno. Um, but those are some more characters who have never appeared again. There are, and, and now, you know, I mean, I don't want to get off on too much of a tangent, but now that literally, you would think that now every mutant should be alive that has died. How many, how many more characters there are now for writers to choose for like their books and choose to fucking feature in something? There's a possibility that if any character died, they could be back. But now there are so many mutants. What are the chances that fucking WizKid is going to show up somewhere? What are the chances that, spoilers, fucking Don is the one who dies in this issue because Devil Dinosaur accidentally steps on him? Technically, since he's a mutant, he should be resurrected and on Krakoa. Are we going to be fucking seeing him swimming in the water? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so, too. This is so cute. That would be wonderful. Oh, but... Bill isn't a mutant, so if he dies, that's it. Yeah, no, that's just the same thing with Gomi. Gomi's not a mutant either. Um, but yeah, it was really sad. It was an accident at the end of the issue, but Devil Dinosaur accidentally stepped on Don and killed him. And so they have like a fucking, like a little funeral for him. And what uh, what amazed me, and it just really speaks to Gomi's character. Like the dude is, you know, he's just kind of like people just step all over him. What I thought was amazing was how he was able to forgive devil dinosaur so easily and it's not like he was wrong you know he was saying that devil dinosaur felt probably worse than anybody else felt about it so i thought kind of like good for him to be able to be so forgiving yeah and you know bobby was like 
oh, you know, Devil Dinosaur and I are, like, the same, but the difference is, like, it's worse because he actually killed someone. But Roberto ran is the difference. Devil Dinosaur came right back with all of them and was, like, willing to take responsibility, and Roberto just fucking ran from everybody. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. This is something that is just going to be off the comics for a sec. So when Warlock got to New York, he was like hungry and he asked uh, Bobby if he could eat some garbage. And Bobby's like, yeah, sure. Just imagine how much better the world would be if Warlock was real (laughs) and could just like consume all of our garbage. And we didn't have that fucking trash island. That's why we have oceans. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That is literally why we have oceans. (laughs) Oh my god. They um, are so deep. <laughs> somebody somebody in my class said something about how you can't smoke on the beaches anymore or something. Right. And my teacher was like, but the beach is the world's ash can. Yes! Exactly! <laughs> it is a fucking enormous ashtray. That was a joke, everybody. Yeah, no, and I, same. I, I, it's disgusting when you see cigarettes on the beach. Yeah, um, I used like, to when I was a kid. At least fucking clean them after yourself if you're going to smoke on the beach. Yeah, if throw them in legal. the ocean. Again, that's where, <laughs> the gar- that's where the garbage goes. No, think about it, Patty, right? If we're running out of space for people, then if we have trash islands... We can put people on those islands, okay? Who, they can live there. Okay, let's. We should make a list of what people belong on Trash Island. Like, can't go anywhere uh, else. Only interesting. Who? Well, okay. So if you think what about what would Ronald wait. Reagan have said? <laughs> so if you think about it, Napoleon was exiled to an island. Yeah. Napoleon was a little shit. So somebody, somebody who's little or maybe has small hands. Whoa! I know, I know, we are not super popular, but there is a possibility that somebody who works for the FBI is listening to us (laughs) and is afraid that we are going to exile Napoleon, Napoleon to a trash island. I don't know. I feel like there are a lot of people who have small hands. All right. So everybody's powers are going fucking haywire. They're either not working or they're working too well. Yeah. Ariel convinces everyone that someone must just be fucking with them. So let's run away and go to my home planet. Coconut Um, Grove. Coconut Grove. Which is, uh, which looks just like the extreme 1980s. Oh my God. It looks like so much fun. I would have loved a makeover (laughs) there. And also, what? (laughs) They looked ridiculous. I loved it. I liked, they all looked like they were wearing shoulder pads. They had shoulder pads like two feet high. I loved it. Their hair was awful. No, it was so good. I loved Boom Boom's hair. They gave her, um. All right, she looked cute. They gave her, was it not an undercut, but a side cut? I forget what that's called. Super Karen. It's called the Super Karen. (laughs) She was so cute. She was, but but they did it to Chance. And she did not like it. Chance, you know, I mean, Chance was, oh man, I wanted to like her. Like, they wrote these characters really effectively. Chance had almost no redeeming qualities at all. She fucking, like, ditched Sunspot to be fucking eaten by this dinosaur, which, you know, obviously didn't happen. But she was just, like, always willing to fucking ditch everybody. And we're, you know, kind of learning, like, nobody else 
had known at this point, but Ariel is fucking gathering all of these mutants to deliver to the people on her home planet. Chance knew. And Chance is in on it. So you know that she's like a shitty person and always giving everybody shit. But finally, she gets hers. Fucking finally, she gets hers. She looks all scared and sad and vulnerable, like looking like, um, you know, your stereotypical fucking 80s woman. And Roberto starts giving her shit about it and she gets upset. And uh, Warlock says something to Roberto, and he's like, oh, it's nothing of concern to us, Warlock, just feminine weakness. And she looks so pissed, but, like, she can't, she doesn't know what to say. The dialogue, the shit that he gives her, like, listen, I'm not, I'm not about fucking talking down to women. I am not. But, like, this was such believable Roberto dialogue, and at that moment, it was perfect for him to say to her after all the shit she had been giving him throughout this series— and he even says that she's cute when she's angry or afraid. And I was like, oh, my God. This is- no, no, no. He didn't actually say that. He said he was thinking about saying it. Then Boom Boom in for the rescue. Boom Boom, the real <laughs> fucking feminist icon over here. She's like, don't worry, girls. I'll, I'll get him. So she, like, smacks him on the ass and tells him, like, he looks great or whatever. And, of course, he believes her because, you know. He's full of himself. He's, yeah, he's full of himself. Obviously, she stuck a fucking bomb on his ass. <laughs> And uh, it it explodes. And there was this fantastic line. I thought you had to be at least 18 to worry about the draft. (laughs) (laughs) And he looks down and the entire back of his pants are missing. And he's just his fucking ass is out. And uh, yeah, but like everybody gets this, this weird fucking makeover. Even Bill got huge glasses. It was super fucking cute. But uh, eventually, the Coconut Grove goons that are there, they've got, like, guns. They're dressed like soldiers. They go after the Fallen Angels, capture all of them. They have, like, hit an evolutionary wall. And so that's why Ariel's getting these mutants for them so they can, like, unlock the secrets that mutants have to, like, evolve. But then it's, you know, there's where it's explicitly revealed that her persuasion is how she's a mutant. So they fucking contain her, too. Yeah, the co- I'm like, good. The Coconut Grove guys overheard somebody telling her that she registered as a mutant. But in some way, I feel like I kind of liked her. Even though, you know, she was kind of the villain in this. I just thought that she was, like, really cute. And I liked her personality. And then the final issue of this series opens with uh, Bill. He is a lobster with a mission. He's got super crustacean strength. He's got the, uh, what is it? The fucking, the the Spider-Man thing. With great power comes no, great responsibility. He, he has the, the proportional, proportional strength, strength of a lobster. Because he is a lobster. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so No, if it was not for him, they would all have been fucked. Yeah, and so the aliens all contained everybody with their power dampeners. But <laughs> Gomi had like a blindfold on so that was like spinning in circles I'm or whatever sorry. so that he couldn't aim. Everybody duck. Just there's your solution not the lobster (laughs) duck (laughs) if you duck he can't blow any shit on you so you know bill works on giving the keys to everybody unlocking everybody and they're like "Uh, should we should we save ariel too and they're like i don't know um also ariel's glasses came off at this point and her eyes Eyes were so cool weird Yes, weird and cool. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So we learn an important lesson from Madrox, and to fail is not an excuse to give up, but a reason to try all the harder. So, so I love that. 
There is um, no try. There is only do. <laughs> yes, Master Patty. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, fucking Roberto and Jamie were held separately from everybody else. But, you know, after Bill helped save everyone and Chance and boom, boom, go to rescue Jamie and Sunspot and Chance starts to learn how to control her power. They break the power dampener and Chance offers to amp Sunspot's power and it works. But Chance is about to get shot. Ariel oh. says, like, what's the solution? Like... We're gonna if we can escape if 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 you shoot us like you know if you kill us then you're gonna have no mutants to experiment on but then Moonboy and Devil Dinosaur show up and Gomi is like they're gonna tear the whole place down if you don't release us so Ariel takes them all back to Beat Street. Chance was amping Ariel's persuasion powers, got you. so that's that's how she got the guy to just be like fine whatever. But, you know, she she opened the door to Beach Street so they could get away anyway, and nobody would be able to follow them, I guess. And character growth, at the end, Chance says, let's be really radical, and instead of stealing food, let's get money and buy it. Because, again, in 1987, that's all you had to do. You pick yourself up by your bootstraps, you go out, you find a job, everybody's got equal opportunity, you make money and you go buy your food. You don't be a fucking street urchin and steal shit, right? That's that's the lesson. Now, that's again, the moral of the story. Again, again, I'm I'm joking. Also, there was uh, something else that happened with Jamie's dupes. Yeah, Um, one one got killed. It was sad. You know, he got hit by a fucking bicyclist at at one point, and uh, his ribs were broken. Yeah. And what I thought was interesting was, like, you know, you kind of, if you split a bunch of Madrox and then reabsorb all of them, plus the one with the broken ribs, it will lessen the pain. Yeah, that that made sense to me. Yeah, it was, like, an interesting use of his power there. And it was really neat to see Madrox get, you know, kind of a a spotlight. I know a lot of it was not, you know, any special aspect of his personality. It was a lot of like... Yeah, he wasn't the, you know, funny guy that we know from X Factor. I mean, he was a little bit, but it was mostly just his like usefulness for his fucking dupes. And he was also like the fucking sexy one. Because Boom Boom was constantly wanting him. And like at one point there were a whole bunch of Jamies and... Based on the way she's talking, it's like, all right, lady, we get it. You want to be fucking gangbanged by multiple men. By multiple men, you know? And I feel weird saying that because they're both underage, but that's exactly what was going down. And uh, at one point, there were two Jamies. Uh, He split, and he wasn't able to control it or whatever. And Boom Boom was like, great. Now there's one for you, Teresa, and there's one for me. Gomi was like... Well, actually, that would be two for Siren and none for you. And she was like, <laughs> shut up, Gomi. <laughs> yeah, he was like, he, he was pretty much just like sort of a, like the downer because he was like being real. He see? couldn't like, I, there were jokes and stuff and he like just, it just went completely over his head. Yeah. Like kind of like Drax from the Guardians movies, but like in a realistic way. Yeah. Like no. he didn't get sarcasm or anything. No, he didn't. But, you know, I mean, that's why I thought it was it was really great that he had fucking Don and Bill. It was really sad that, that Don died. But, you know, you didn't really see a whole lot of emotion from him. But I felt like everybody sort of played some sort of a, a part in the series. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, at the very end, obviously, Sunspot and Warlock go back to the New Mutants. And uh, Siren and Jamie said they're going to stay and get the group to act better. But, uh... What stinks is, like, the sequel never panned out. Uh, there were, uh, it was going to come out in 1989. Two issues were apparently completed before it was scrapped. I'm really sad about that because the ending was clearly going to set up something else. And, like, if it followed the same team and didn't do the same shit that MYX did with their volume two, which was garbage, 
Like, I would have loved a sequel to this book. Yeah, I mean, this was a lot more a lot more lighthearted than NYX. Uh, I appreciate both of them separately. But the but what I did read about the sequel was that it was... The mutants weren't going to be there. Like, Siren and Jamie weren't going to be there. It was going to focus more on Chance, Ariel, and Gomi. I think that would have been really fucking neat. I mean, that would have been fine. They weren't the focus of this book either. But, uh, no, this was, this was a really good story, you know, just kind of, uh, about sort of like this fucking dysfunctional family almost, you know, like, and the way Roberto felt was, I feel like sort of timeless, you know, like I know he was being a brat and he was just being bitchy, but how many people haven't acted like that before? And I don't just mean as a teenager, like the new mutants are basically his, his family, you know, and he, you know, hurt his family. He caught a resentment. He was full of self-pity. And then he fucking wanted to run away. And he ran away. And he could because it was a fucking comic book. I mean, come on. But how, how many... And it was, was the 80s. And it was the 80s. People did this kind of shit all the time. Fucking took golden showers in Port Authority. It was a normal fucking thing. No, but but seriously. And then, you know, I mean, there was a positive, fucking positive message at the end. Like... You know, he went from that one family and, like, had this whole other group of people who were even more dysfunctional, and he ended up learning a fucking lesson over it and overcoming his bullshit and, like, going back and rejoining the New Mutants again. And I just sort of, like, a, like I said, like a, a fucking positive message. You saw, like, the shitty people of this book, you know, like, Chance and Ariel become better by the end because of, like, the unity that this little fucking group had and this these weird relationships that they had with each other. You know, again, like, I keep saying family, even though they're not really actual family, but you know what I mean. So, I don't know, like I, I said, I just got a really, like, positive takeaway from from it and the characters like i said they were just written so so well they were written with such purpose no i i love this series uh from start to finish like i said at this point i've read it three times i really love anytime they introduce uh animal characters so <laughs> bill and don i i keep wanting to say bill and ted <laughs> this was an excellent adventure yes this was an excellent adventure i just really loved them this series was like so like lighthearted and fun. I don't know. I just feel like we haven't seen that in a while. I know the 80s were like ripe with fucking miniseries. Yeah. But this up. was one of my favorites. And I mean, you know, Fallen Angels, it was used very aptly in this case because they all sort of were. I mean, they came from like fucked up backgrounds, you know? I mean, sure, Sunspot had like his rich dad, but like uh, the dad was member of the Hellfire Club, you know, uh, the fucking Chance was a victim of fucking human trafficking. Ariel was a mutant from her own fucking race and was going to fucking basically traffic people herself. Gomi was from a fucked up background. Even fucking Siren was. And Madrox, you know, his and parents were dead. All of them. Vanisher was just kind of there and acting weird for some reason. He was, he had a, <laughs> he had a couple of funny moments, but he was just... He was meant to be a douche, but not like an over, like I said, like overtly criminal douche. You know, it was just, it was great to see them all sort of like come together, you know, by the end. And like, I don't know, like I said, it was just sort of heartwarming in a, in a really fucked up sort of way. All right. So just to finish up our discussion of Fallen Angels and Fallen Angels. They are not the same <laughs> at all. They are not, not the even same. a little bit. Not even a little bit. I guess I was looking for, I, I was sort of hoping for a little bit more of a connection, sort of, I guess, in spirit between the original series and the new comic. 
But there really isn't. You know, like Roberto kind of left because he was mad because he hurt his team and his team was hurt by him. And that's not really what happened here. And I kind of thought that some of these characters in the new Fallen Angels are going to be more hurt by maybe what was going on on Krakoa or something. Yeah, so, or they like disagreed with policies or throwing Sabretooth underground or, you know, having Sinister and Apocalypse have like equal say to like Xavier and Magneto. Whoa, whoa, or, whoa here, lady. Who's got the real problems now? Or, or you know, like <laughs> any any logical thing, but it's just like me bored, me want to stab. <laughs> so yeah, and and listen, now I say that now with only the first issue being out, so maybe there might there might be some more parallels to like the original series going forward. I just I'm not I didn't think that there was going to be any like overt nod to the original series, but I thought I would be able to draw some sort of parallel between the two for me. Maybe something somebody who's still listening Maybe they'll be like, oh, well, this and this. I, I can see there it. There are no lobsters in this book, <laughs> is, is what we're saying. It is a lobsterless book. It's bullshit. Absolutely lobsterless. But yeah, still, you know, the original Fallen Angels from 87 was great. Fallen Angels number one was good, and I still have some hopes for it. I still think it could be a good series going forward. But for those of you interested, because we recorded this kind of like out of order, and but I did a little bit more digging, and it wasn't even that much more digging that I had to do to find out a little bit more about the planned sequel for uh, Fallen Angels. And it's kind of an interesting read. It's from Comic Book Resources, who, you know, I don't go out of my way to to look at. Um, and this article is from fucking nine years ago, so it shows how much I know. But it'll show you some of the artwork from it and the actual plan and why the sequel to Fallen Angels uh, was supposed to come out in 1989, why it fell through. And it was an interesting read. Maybe there's even more information out there that I don't know about. But, you know, I'm going to post a link in the description. So if you want to check it out, you know, you can... Kind Kind of scroll through some of it because some of it's just fucking recap. So if you've already read the series, and just give us the TLDR version. Okay, so the so the short version is that the the writer was like kind of like uh, making like a hodgepodge. It was kind of like dark and like comedy, and at the same time, and they didn't like that, so they decided to fire them. The artist said that they weren't going to stay with a new writer because of solidarity. Yeah, so that was so neat. that's kind of sad though that you know we we didn't get a sequel because it was set up for a sequel, sure. obviously. All in all, I enjoyed uh, 1987 Fallen Angels more than 2019 Fallen Angels, but <laughs> it, only one issue is out so far, so <laughs> I you. mean, it's not really a fair fight. So that'll do it for this episode of Mutant Musings. Thanks for joining us, and don't forget to leave us a comment on geekade.com, leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast, follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast, and on Twitter at mutant musings. What did you think of Fallen Angels? And what did you think of Fallen Angels? Join us for a new episode in two weeks. And until then, Don was right. Snap, snap. <laughs>